TED Audio Collective. Over the last month, you may have noticed episodes of Fixable on this feed. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you're interested in hearing more from Francis Fry and Ann Morris as they tackle your workplace problems in 30 minutes or less, tune into Fixable wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you'd like to submit your workplace problems to Ann and Francis, you can email fixable at ted.com. Hey, Francis. Hi, Ann. Uh, so I'm going to start with one of our favorite segments, which are Anne and Francis's favorite icebreakers. This is one we use a lot. Hat tip to Emily Hannenberg, the wonderful Emily Hannenberg, our dear friend and former colleague at TLC. Former uh, and future colleague. Former, future, forever colleague. <laughs> Actually, forever colleague. Um, one of her favorites that I've stolen is, what was your favorite breakfast as a child? Oh, a bacon sandwich. What? <laughs> you, you were eating bacon sandwiches as a child? Oh, yes. Uh, oh, well, on lucky days. And a bacon sandwich is made just so. So it's two pieces of lightly toasted bread with a little bit of butter and bacon, unapologetically just bacon. <laughs> and you just had a bacon sandwich. And if you say a bacon sandwich to a fry, they will just all come into the kitchen, every one of us. Uh, so first of all, just to our listeners, you should not respond with shock <laughs> like, like I did. What's fun about the question is that you do get a, you do get you just got to learn something. It reveals an <laughs> astonishing amount of context. All right, can we ask? Can I ask you? Um, yes, growing up, uh, honeycomb. And Single mom, we just bought honeycomb by the bulk, and then we were out the door. I can get why you were astonished by my bacon sandwich. <laughs> it's just take, it seems like it would take a lot of time. Oh, but worth it. Uh, <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Ann Morris. I'm a company builder and leadership coach. And I'm Francis Fry. I'm a professor at the Harvard Business School. This is Fixable from the TED Audio Collective. On this show, we believe that meaningful change happens fast. Anything's fixable and Solutions are often just a single conversation away. And who do we have today? Today we have Naya. And by the way, we're using a pseudonym to protect her anonymity here. She's a product operations manager at a tech company that's really thinking about how to make education work better. And she's struggling with how is she seen and valued in this environment where there's an incredible amount of change and turbulence happening, as there is all over the tech sector right now. So let's hear from Naya. So at work, we had a rework, then a layoff, and I find myself in a new team with new manager and new colleagues. And all these changes caused tremendous amount of shuffling, refocus, and then doubling the amount of work. What I want to get out most from this situation is professional growth. I've been with the company for almost two years now, but everything felt it's being set to ground zero again. So how might I focus and keep driving towards my professional growth and goals amidst all of these changes? New team, new stakeholder, constant firefighting may not align with my professional growth or interest. 
Oh, Francis, I, what's your initial reaction? I love that. It's um, what do you do with the great reset? <laughs> and I think we're going to continue to have great reset. And it's when you come together with a lot of newness and it feels like you're going backwards, how do you turn uh, the motor to go forward and how do you accelerate it? Yeah, when there's so much turbulence at the systems level, even in small companies, it's easy to feel like your own needs are getting lost in that system and people are legitimately distracted. It's not about you, but they're legitimately distracted about making the business work. So how do you get what you need in that moment? Let's go. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this show comes from Economist Education. TED Business listeners know we've discussed how businesses can drive solutions to social problems, which requires understanding and presenting your data effectively. And Economist Education has a new course on data storytelling and visualization. Economist Education provides online executive education courses that last about two to six weeks. They're designed to empower business professionals to thrive. It covers everything from international relations, sustainability, critical thinking, and more. The courses feature senior editors from The Economist and invited experts who share their insights. Economist Education is a great way to stay ahead in your career, and I have a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course from Economist Education, only available by going to my exclusive URL, education.economist.com slash tedbusiness. Enter our promo code TEDBUSINESS at registration. This offer ends on March 31st. Don't wait for 15% off. Go now to education.economist.com slash tedbusiness and use promo code TEDBUSINESS at registration. Oh, Naya, (laughs) we're so happy to meet you. And thank you so much for doing this with us. Thank you so much. I'm super excited. Uh, So maybe start us off with, just tell us about the work you do. What is a day in the life of Naya? Day in life would be half of the time I'm working on my own, trying to figure out how I best build the processes and systems to help the product team to be successful. The other time I'm in meetings, like trying to figure out where I play and like contribute as much as I could. Got it. And so is your current role helping the product team succeed? That's how you think about your job? Yeah. And then um, succeed at what? When you're successful, what is different about the company? If I'm successful, people don't know I exist. (laughs) So I am one of those, like (laughs) the army of people anonymously without a face, ensuring that the product team can spend less time in unnecessary meetings 
be more effective, build out the processes so they don't have to do the same work twice just for whatever like executives need reports. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. And so if you don't do your job, what happens? That's one of my challenge. Like if I go get hit by a bus tomorrow, I think nobody will notice for maybe a few days. But when like there's like the cadence happening, when we are about to launch something, when we have a business review or earnings call, or we need to solve some like planning execution related issues, then it will go haywire. Yep. Got it. So take us through the the reason you're in this conversation with us right now. What is not working for you about this job? The first one, I'm good at what I do, but I don't feel valued. Yep. I should also give a backdrop. My company had a rework last October and then followed by a layoff in November. So after all that, I'm grateful that I still have a job, but I have a new team. I cycle through three bosses. And my challenge right now is given the context that everything is relatively new in the last three to four months, my manager doesn't understand what I do. And it appears to me that he hasn't shown any interest yet. Got it. Can you give us an example? Yeah, uh, the most recent one is he forgets about the things I told him over and over again. I am good at telling what's going to start burning in the horizon, and I will tell him. And he would say, okay, great. Like, that sounds good. Your approach sounds good. But I only have a mini or toy fire truck right now. (laughs) I need him to give me a bigger truck. (laughs) And then like a month later, I come to him repeating what I said, like I need a bigger fire truck. And he would be like, when did we have this conversation? (laughs) So that is a fact that makes me wonder if he really pays attention or has any vested interest of my career growth. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I chose to work for this company because of its mission. Uh, it's for education. And I wanted to make education part of like people's lives. But then once I start working, I realize that's not how I feel. Like I don't feel the noble mission as my day to day. Sometimes I feel like I'm just a coordinator or a project person. But I'm just like, well, it's my job. I'm here for, I don't know, paycheck. I just chug along. Right. To that point about feeling, what, what are the emotions that you feel most frequently when you're on the job? I would say lonely, isolated, followed by frustration and agitation. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if you think back in the last six months, what was the high point in, at work for you? What was the best part? The best part was last month. I inherited this process and I need to figure out in the shortest time to make it seamless for my product team. Um, And I did it. I stressed myself out. I didn't sleep for several days and I built the process and I facilitated the conversation and we are able to um, achieve dependency resolution, product roadmap. And even afterwards, I 
ask people how they feel about the meeting, and I got pretty good feedback. And that's one of the signal. I'm like, I'm good at my job, but why am I not feeling valued or rewarded? You present to us as incredibly effective. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just so you know, you lead with exactly that statement. I'm great at my job. I'm going to I'm going to upgrade you from good to great. Yeah. <laughs> but if you were going to put into words about what makes you effective in this environment, what comes to mind? Numbers, planning, and determination. If you're going to turn those three words into sentences, I can guess, but you're crushing the analytics. You're doing it in advance of the fire. And I will not rest until I get the people, <laughs> the process, and all the docs in the line so I can execute. I love, I, I want a team of I will not rest. That's yeah. like my favorite. Yes. <laughs> it, I hadn't realized it until you said it, Naya, but um, my favorite trait in another person is I will not rest until. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a worse way is saying I will hunt you down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to someone who has the <clears throat> I will hunt you down side. Uh, um, so, Francis, give it a shot. How would you summarize Naya's challenge? Okay. So, I think here, here's how I would summarize the problem. We're at a point um, of turbulence in a place that if this were your resting state, this wouldn't be the organization or the job you would want to be with. So, what do we do when we aren't in the place where we want to be. We know we can do better, um, but the it's not a path of flowers. <laughs> so we have to go do a little weed whacking, a little signposting, and things like that. So that's where I, where I see it. I love it. And then the simple tension of, you know you're great, you know you have a contribution to make to an organization, but you're not feeling that reflected back in the role. Yeah. So does yeah. that resonate? Yeah. Did, did we summarize where you are? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so should we should we start? I, I, I want to invite you to get the party okay, started. I'd I, love see, to. I see the machinery of your beautiful mind working. <laughs> so imagine that you were new to the company and you were randomly placed on a team. That is, teams got distributed at random. And you wanted to be as helpful as possible on the team. And you wanted the team to be as helpful as possible to you. Because nobody knows you and you don't know the other people, you'd have to communicate way more than you would otherwise want to. And verbal communication is going to be um, ether in the air that can vaporize. Mm. So verbal communication is fine, but not lasting. So I would think about using writing as a, as a way of doing things is the first one and the signposting of what you're working on. Um, but I could imagine, first of all, like, do you have weekly meetings with this person? I'm guessing yeah. you do. Great. And who sets the agenda for it? I do. Wonderful. Um, so I could imagine if the agenda is always written and you're constantly bringing back the documents, you're going to make it so the person can't forget. And I don't blame people for forgetting. He could be calling in your boss and saying, I have now four disparate parts. I'm trying to do this. Like he could have his own story going on. But for you, for someone that's part-time interested in you, let's call it <laughs> that, you have to make it really easy for them to be more interested. 
So what can you do to set their interest up for success? It's like working with someone that has no short-term memory. So I could imagine a whole lot more formality to your written documentation than you're using now because this person has so many other things going on. I resonate and I am already doing that. Um, Great. So I ask for clarification. I paraphrase what he said to me in our meeting um, and I over-communicate. So I will write emails. I will like take meeting notes and he has access to it. The conversation becomes very task-driven. And to solve for the value or I want him to recognize other people's compliments of me. I would take screenshot and say, hey, like these are like all the feedback I got after this meeting, like see. And I just sometimes I don't think he reacts in a way that I would expect. He'll be like, oh, okay, what is this about? <laughs> got it. Uh, okay. Um, so let me tell you, can I tell you where my yeah. head's going? Yeah. So I'm also in that moment, in that meeting with your manager, and I'm thinking about the um, your emotional frequency in that conversation. Mm. And I want you to show up in that space as a great collaborator. Sometimes the barrier to showing up as the great collaborator that you are can be that there's still some residual frustration about the situation. So there's still some, I want you to be a different person. I want your behavior to be different. I want this to not be the third manager that I'm having this freaking conversation with in the last six months. And I want to think about what we can do to kind of clear some of that out of the way for you to be in as open and creative and collaborative mind as possible. I love it. I feel every meeting I have to set the intention so I don't get bothered and I myself become the enemy of showing up as a collaborator or a positive person. Definitely. Thank you. And this is really, this is really hard. And I just sense a little bit of this, which is perfectly normal. Of course, you're showing in, up in that room frustrated and you're bracing, you're, <laughs> you're bracing yourself for, I'm sorry, Naya, who are you? I'm sorry, what, what are you doing? Meanwhile, you are killing it for the company and not sleeping. And, but that emotion is not going to be useful to you. And it's going to be a distraction to you and a distraction to him to have the kinds of conversations that you want. So there is a piece of this dynamic forgiving this man for being human, right? like accepting the situation, processing those emotions off stage, bringing a little bit of Joseph Campbell, you know, we have to be willing to let go of the life we plan to make space for the life that's waiting for us. Like, yes, this is not how you wanted this situation to play out, but here we are. And if we have judgment, it leaks, People know we have judgment. And that's why one of the things Anne and I often talk about is that you have a choice between judgment and curiosity because both can't exist at the same time. So if you have judgment about the manager, you can't really be curious about their situation. And when you're thinking of, so this is a person who's got a lot of part-time jobs. Maybe they had a full-time job before and the reorg now gives them a lot of part-time jobs. And so how do we set someone who's 
distracted up for success? Well, we probably don't send them emails and then meeting notes where they have to then go be really efficient at sorting through their emails in order to do it. Like if you really wanted to set this person up for success, there'd probably be one link that they can always go to that you're like deeply curating. You might have conversations with them. I hear lots of comments about my work. What's the format that would be most helpful to you for me to share them? And you could even say, because here's my fear. I'm working really hard. Um, and I fear in in this state of flux that six months are going to go by and people are going to wonder whether or not I did a good job. And so it's just helpful to me to be super clear what is a good job and how can I help in getting that data for you. But if you have that conversation with them and you co-produce it, then you're delivering on the co-produced thing as opposed to you're delivering on perhaps this is what you would like to know if you were managing someone else. This would be the way that you want to do it. And so I would allow for a very different style for a reasonably distracted person. What's your reaction to that? I wrote down choose curiosity and I am going to implement in my next one-on-one. And as you were saying, Francis, in my mind, I just had this thought about for every meetings, I have to hit reset and then remind myself that anything you say, like be vulnerable uh, and then really be curious how I can help him succeed. Because I told him before, I'm like, my job here is to make you successful, but I don't think that message quite landed yet. But I think it's also because most of the time, I am being judgmental. Yeah. One of the most liberating things we can do is to let go of judgment. It takes up so much space and it helps almost not at all. So I would say that judgment is a negative slope <laughs> and curiosity is a positive slope. Um, what's amazing to me about you, Naya, is you I, and I got the benefit of watching you thinking right now, but I watched you process it, and I believe you've just flipped that switch. <laughs> like I believe you're you now get it, which is something that's so awesome is that you understand it, and then your behavioral change will come after that. So that's super exciting to me. And what I love about this direction too is how do you change the emotional tenor of the conversation? You have an opportunity once a week to go in and and build something with this collaborator of yours. And you have a ton of control over how that conversation feels. You set the agenda. You're inviting this person into the room. And then how do you solve for, and literally it can be in the form of this question, how can I be most helpful to you? How can this time be of service to the thing we're trying to achieve together? The simplest expression of curiosity, which is truly a magical elixir in a workplace, is in the form of questions. So what are the what questions could you ask your collaborator here? And I'm gonna keep calling him a collaborator <laughs> as opposed to a boss or a manager, because I think that is the emotional pivot that's available to you. How do you walk in this room as a creative, kick-ass, smart collaborator to this person on the other side of the table who is probably also feeling undervalued in that in this system. That tends to be a cultural feature. If you're feeling undervalued, 
other people are feeling undervalued. If you're reacting to how other people are trying to get attention, it means this is uh, <laughs> this is a challenge that other people are feeling. So what is it that you can do to change that conversation? Yeah, I love that suggestion. And I think it will change the dynamic. What I love about where this conversation is going, Naya, is that we're, now we're back in the zone of things you can control. Yeah. Like the origin of stress and anxiety is to want to control things that are out of our control. And now we're talking about how can you change the outcomes that are actually within your control? I love it. And you're spot on. I can only focus on things I can control. Like, like outside of work, I submit to speak at conferences and I always have this simple mentality. My goal is to check the box. I've been there, done that, regardless of the outcome, whether I got accepted or not. I think I should do more of that at work, <laughs> like not expecting, oh, this person is going to behave a certain way. I will do my part of being curious, making sure I have written document and sincerely asking the person for help and thanking the person. But beyond that, how it's going to turn out, it's beyond my control. I should just be okay with it. And I think you're going to be really pleasantly surprised. That's the beautiful part of this. Yes, the counterintuitive intuition here is the more you give up trying to control the behavior, the more they will be willing to be guided by you. Yeah. This is a That's the counterintuitive thing. truth of leadership. Mm. Yeah. I'm excited and curious to give it a try. Oh. Naya, we would love that. You're such a fast processor oh. that I'm already excited for Monday morning meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Super optimistic about how this is going to go in the short term and how everything's going to go after that. And Anne and I are on your team. Thank you. That's the most important. And you guys made my day. Awesome. Awesome. Right. You made ours. There's a surefire way to wake up feeling fresh after a night of enjoying alcohol. It's with Zbiotics. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works: when you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com/tedbusiness to get 15% off your first order when you use Ted Business at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/tedbusiness and use the code tedbusiness at checkout for 15% off. Thank you Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Tired of unnecessary payroll errors and the problems they bring? Like employees missing bills because of shorted paychecks, managers taking the heat from angry employees about those shorted paychecks. HR and payroll teams clocking late hours to correct timesheets, expense mistakes, missing overtime, and sick days. All of that is so unnecessary. Pump the brakes on payroll errors for good by putting employees in the driver's seat. 
With Paycom's Betty, employees do their own payroll. Betty identifies errors and guides employees to fix them before submission, right in the app. Because no one can afford for payroll to be wrong, and who knows when their pay is wrong or right better than employees. So why not let them fix payroll problems before they become problems? When you get payroll precision every time, unnecessary payroll hassles become, well, unnecessary. Manage the process to make payday right for everyone with Paycom. Learn more at paycom.com slash soundrise. That's paycom.com slash soundrise. Francis, what did you think? What surprised you? What deep <laughs> thoughts did this conversation spur? Uh, what I loved about this conversation is at one point or another, we've all been, you know, discombobulated a little bit. We find ourselves not in the ideal circumstances and we're frustrated by the behavior of others and how, what can we do with an inward looking lens that can improve the dynamic? So what's our role in it? And I think she started thinking that there were these other people that she had to endure and I'm super optimistic that the relationship is going to now be better. So I'm left being very optimistic uh, about what's going to happen there and optimistic for those that are listening. If you have a dynamic, a communication dynamic that you're frustrated with, try inviting in curiosity. Try doing what you can and marvel at how the other person changes as a result, as opposed to coming up with a list of how you would like the other person to change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do think there is a piece of this too that that does require us to be, if not our best selves, a better version of ourselves that can show up in stressful situations that we're also accountable for. So what is it going to take? And I see you take responsibility for this as an introvert. You deliberately spend time by yourself in so that when rooms. you show up around your loved ones. And I'm quite grateful for this. You can be really present. And that, I know that has been a lifetime of learning for you and a lifetime of saying no to dinners and yeah. so that you can say yes and be present when it really matters. Yeah. And just a mini public service announcement. If anybody ever asks me for a meal, I say no. I don't. I won't have meals with anyone um, because as an introvert, those are like super stressful to me. But by not doing that, I lets me to show up in other ways. And I feel like that's what Naya is going to do. A hundred percent. And I know this has been an ongoing negotiation in our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know for the record that I only force you to have dinner with <laughs> other people when it really matters. And when it really matters, I want to do it. That's our show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We would love to include you next time, so please reach out to us. Email fixable at ted.com or call us at 234-FIXABLE. That's 234-349-2253. We want to talk to you. Give us a call. Fixable is brought to you by the TED Audio Collective. It's hosted by me, Francis Fry. And me, Ann Morris. This episode was produced by Isabel Carter. Our team includes Isabel Carter, Constanza Gallardo, Lydia Jean Cott, Sarah Nix, Jimmy Gutierrez, Michelle Quint, Corey Hajim, Alejandra Salazar, Ban Ban Chang, and Roxanne Highlash. 
Jake Gorski as our mix engineer. We'll be bringing you new episodes of Fixable every week. So please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And one more thing, if you can please take a second to leave us a review. We love hearing from our listeners, particularly when they have nice things to say about us. (laughs) We like Scooby Snacks. We'll see you very soon.